Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Sean Glaze. Sean is an expert author and speaker who helps leaders create more positive and profitable team cultures. As a successful coach and educator for over 20 years, Sean gained valuable insights into how to develop winning teams and founded Great Results Team Building to share those lessons with smart team leaders. Thanks so much for joining me today, Sean. Hi, Diane. I am thrilled to be here and looking forward to hopefully sharing some useful nuggets. Well, I, I know you're going to, and I'm thrilled to have you here. I, I do have a question to start with, which is, I am curious about what you think creates team culture. Wow. Well, let's, let's jump into the deep end of the pool. What you say. <laughs> Should have warned um, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, 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 and I know from the guests that you've had on your podcast before, I really enjoyed the uh, conversation you had with Wendy Apple about the feedback, and that's obviously part of culture. But one of the things that I share with you know, clients and, and, and prospective clients, and that I'll even share with audiences or participants at events or conferences, is culture is this nebulous term that I think much like, uh, you know, accountability and goodness, a handful of other things, you know, this looks a little bit more difficult than it really is. And uh, I think that the easiest thing we can do when working with teams and team leaders is to simplify what their understanding of culture and their role in that culture is. And so what I share is very simply that culture is nothing more than the behaviors that are allowed to be repeated in your organization. And every organization has a culture, whether it's a corporate group, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's an athletic group, or whether it's your family, we all have a group of tolerated behaviors that we allow to be repeated, and that becomes our culture. That's so great. I can just picture that. I mean, it's so interesting. I I can picture uh, an organization just letting behavior happen but then they get annoyed with it and <laughs> expect it to change try and do well, something with it are you telling me that there are annoying behaviors in organizations wait a yeah, second pretty much <laughs> what are yeah. we in business to do here yeah uh, no and, and, I, and i think that here's what happens and and, and i'm, I'm really excited to be able to share at least my understanding and working with, you know, hundreds of teams and thousands of leaders and participants and, and um, whether it was the team building or conference stuff is, is ultimately the takeaway is everything that you do as a leader or as a teammate has a ripple effect upon impacting the culture that you're a part of. And the greatest tool we have to change any culture, whether it's personal or professional, is our own decision 
to behave in a certain way and to carry ourselves with a certain attitude and to have those interactions intentionally because our example is that best tool we have to change the culture that we're a part of. And I think that oftentimes as leaders, people don't lead well because they don't understand what's necessary to really build a healthy team culture. And I think that, you know, I think it was Tolstoy who had the quote years and years ago, Diane, you know, that, uh, you know, all happy families are happy in the same way. Those that are unhappy have, you know, kind of their own individual kind of unique reasons for unhappiness. And I think it's the same way with organizations. There are basically five major areas where if there is some type of unhealthy behavior in your culture or something that is missing in your culture, normally the leaders I've worked with have found that it comes in one of five different areas. Really? So would you mind sharing? <laughs> no, we're, we're going to stop there. Have a great day. Good luck. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I am absolutely happy to share. And, and, right. and that's something I, I think that is is such a, a nice opportunity for leaders who sometimes feel lost because we're all, I remember when I was, you know, I came into leadership and teamwork and team building and team development because I was a high school basketball coach for two decades. And that's how I learned first to fail as a leader and then to hopefully clean up my messes and be a whole lot better. And again, you got to be bad long enough to get better. And our job with you know, when we work with leaders is to help them to be better sooner than we were to make that learning curve a whole lot shorter. And, and so one of the things I didn't realize when I first started coaching and working with teams is that there are five things that were going to make me successful. And there are five things that I needed to work on in a certain sequence for my team to be successful. Excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. God bless you. Thank you so much. So I think the first thing that we need to do in order to give people a reason to be on a team is to clarify goals. We've got to have a compelling common mission, a reason that people are going to be there and work together towards some, you know, purpose. Because without a shared purpose, we're just people that are in proximity. And so the first thing you need to do is to identify what is that compelling common goal? What is that mission that we're all here to accomplish? and then hopefully helping people to connect the dots between what they do specifically each day and how that contributes to the you know, compelling common goal. So I think that's the first thing that oftentimes we skip over because we think that people know. Yeah. And I can't tell you the number of organizations that have a mission statement on the wall, but it's not on everyone's heart and mind. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the, they, they assume that people know things they feel like they should know them, so they don't talk about them enough Absolutely. and then wonder why they're not happening. And, and you know, I, I, I say, if, if your people aren't making fun of you as a leader uh, by repeating stuff over and over and kind of mocking some of the things you're saying, that you're not saying it often enough. Ah, that's a good gauge. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the first thing is obviously goals. The second thing, and I think that this is something that I dropped the ball on and it's why I do what I do now, Diane, is I was all about goals and strategy and X's and O's of the, the team and individual development. But what I neglected and what absolutely sabotaged all that strategy and, and the goals that we had identified was I didn't focus upon relationships. And I think that if goals are the first thing you need to clarify and focus on, I think the second thing that leaders need to focus on is building relationships and connections 
among the people on your team and throughout different departments so that there is the willingness and the comfort in collaborative conversations that occur only once relationships are built. Okay, that's so interesting. So can you give me an example of how a leader would, would nurture those relationships between people? Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, that people would call me for a team building event. And you know, team building is this, again, much like culture, this kind of nebulous term that sometimes yeah. people are going to cross their arms and roll their eyes at because there's a lot of bad team building experiences out there that don't have lasting impact. And team building is a process rather than just an event. But the idea of giving people a forum and an opportunity where you have intentionally put them in a situation where they can have a shared experience, where they can share ideas, where they can connect and ask questions and give a little bit more of a, of a personal uh, understanding and appreciation for the people that they are there working with, I think is absolutely important. And it can be, you know, one of the things that I've shared with leaders that is so very important, even obviously, you know, there, there's been this thing called COVID for the last two years or so that uh, has separated people in terms of proximity, but doesn't necessarily need to affect teamwork or trust or those conversations or collaborative opportunities that teams can have because you can create connection virtually if you're just checking in with your team. At every team meeting, are you celebrating things that you want to see people repeating? Are you actually giving people a chance to connect and asking them a question that allows them to engage and to share a little something that is you know, special to them that people can appreciate about their background or their desires or their strengths or their circumstances? So I think that as a leader, the thing that I didn't do early on that really did sabotage our success as basketball program was I didn't focus enough on relationships. And that really is uh, the major engine of what I do. What I do is I'm passionate now about helping people to see the impact of culture, of not just strategy, but what are you doing to make those connections among your people that's going to allow your strategy to succeed? So I really appreciate that. And, and I feel like small business owners really should embrace the idea that it's worth the time, the money and the energy to be engaging in those processes because of the positive impact, because of two things. One, the positive impact that they have on the company moving forward, but also because when you don't, the negative impact on the company. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, you hear today and over the last few months, you know, the impact of the great resignation and, and people leaving yeah. jobs and circumstances where they're not connected to two things. People want to feel connected to a purpose that is meaningful and yeah. to people that they care about. And if you as a leader can focus just on those first two parts of that recipe for a healthy team culture, if you can really clarify a goal and give people a sense of purpose and progress towards that goal, and if you can give people an appreciation for each other and let them feel valued and connected and appreciated and seen, then you are so much further ahead of the game in terms of retaining the talent that you're wanting to develop and to grow in your organization, because they're going to have those two unbelievably vital connections, which are the goal and the relationships that allow people to achieve that goal. Yeah, it really is about you know, getting, getting back to its humans. Yeah, that's, uh, 
and that's something that I think that, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate in, in, in the, the job that I have now to be able to share that with leaders beyond, you know, just the strategy that people are very comfortable investing in. You know, what are you doing to invest in your culture, to invest in the connections that are going to allow your strategy to succeed? So, so those right. are the first two. That's goals and relationships. And I know I promised you the five. Yeah. Uh, so after you establish goals and after you've really been intentional about investing time and energy and effort and emphasis in relationships and connections, the next thing you need to do is to be really intentional about clarifying expectations and that's going to be team standards and commitments. That's going to be, if you have values as an organization, that's wonderful. But what does the value look like in day-to-day operations? What is the behavior that would define that value for us in our circumstance? What is it that we as teammates are going to promise to do in terms of digital communication, in terms of how we're going to show up and how we're going to interact and what are our meetings going to look like? I think that those moments you spend in clarifying this is how we do things and in involving your team in contributing to those expectations goes a long way to limiting your need to have you know kind of consequences or, or you know accountability conversations later. Okay one of the things that I'm hearing there is that you do it with the team not at the team. Absolutely. And, and again, this is me raising my hand if, uh, if we actually yeah. had video, because I was, again, that guy, I was the command to control young coach, young leader who was probably far more concerned with discipline than I was with development. And, uh, and after you fail a little bit and realize, hey, this isn't working, what can I do differently? And you look in the mirror and you realize as a leader that you're responsible for making things better. And then if our team's going to change, that starts with me changing. You realize that you know maybe this whole I'm going to tell you what we're doing is a little bit less effective than hey let's figure out together what's going to be best for us because when people invest in something they're far more willing to commit to the thing they've invested in. Yeah, it's so important. At this time, I'd like to take a sponsor break. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, and I'm sure you know that Audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, but you might not know about the other content. There's podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations. Uh, My favorite thing is to be able to listen to different kinds of things all on the same platform. I think it's a time saver uh, and it's like a productivity uh, hack for me. I don't have to go jumping from one platform to another. Uh, so we're offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, sign up for that free trial, and then explore on your own. You know, check out the audiobooks, check out the other programs, see what really, you know, resonates with you. Interested in getting some help with your sales strategy? Pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. So that's three, right? Yes, yeah, so we've got goals, we've got relationships, and we've got expectations. Now, you're going to laugh at me, uh-huh. Diane, because we're, we're three-fifths of the way through a really cheesy acronym. So if you want a great team, this is me winking at the, uh, my laptop <laughs> camera, we've got three of those first five letters. So goals, relationships, expectations. And uh-huh. if you set expectations, then the next part of that recipe is accountability. I knew it. 
<laughs> so accountability is something that every team is going to have to uh, involve itself with because again people are imperfect and circumstances are imperfect and there's going to be issues along the way where something doesn't get done the right way at the right time by the right people for the right reasons and so what are we going to do as a leader as a teammate to make sure that we are having those difficult conversations that are important to have and I think that and, and this is something that is counterintuitive, but I hope that you would agree. Sometimes some of the most unhealthy teams have the least amount of conflict because they're not willing to say what needs to be said. Yeah, you know what? I would agree with that. And and the what operates underneath everything is a high level of stress. Absolutely. And that undercurrent of stress ends up sabotaging so much productivity right. and sense of enjoyment and morale. And if people are given a safe space where they know, hey, I care about you, but I care about our goal and you enough to say, we need to do so and so a little bit better. What can I do to help you to make sure that we together make this right for us as a team to move forward in a better way? And yeah. I think that idea of focusing together on what is a shared issue instead of letting someone feel defensive or attacked is absolutely a skill that you as a leader, you as a teammate need to um, develop, but you do well what you do often. And I think that you need to give yourself permission to have a couple of missteps and to be very clear in your communication that, listen, I care enough about you and I care enough about what we're doing that I feel like I need to say and then fill in that blank with something that you are honest. And, and obviously, you know, you don't want to be brutally honest because that just ends up being brutal. You want to make sure you're tactfully honest, but you want to be honest and thorough so that your team can succeed and have the performance and productivity that you desire. Yeah, one of the things that, that I tell groups is instead of saying something like, why did you do that? Or why didn't that get done? Or, you know, whatever, that you can say, help me understand what happened here, or, you know, help me understand, you know, walk me through your mindset what, when this was going on, so I can have a better understanding of what happened. And you know what I think that you do there that I think is so key for team members, leaders, or teammates, because as teammates, we're leaders just without titles. Yeah, right. How can you stay sincerely curious instead of judgmental? And right. such a different shift is if you're curious and you're really committed to a compelling common goal, that curiosity is going to lead to people having conversations much like you just did, where you're asking questions instead of blaming or complaining. Right, right. Huge. Yeah. Okay. And what is T? Well, that's where they're going to have to go out and buy the book and you know, rent the movie. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, the, the last part of that recipe is, again, something that, that as a young coach, you know, I, I imagine I was a pretty difficult dude to play for because I was convinced as a young coach that we were not arriving where we needed to be. So we're going to keep on working. And so each day at practice, we'd work to get better. And after a game, we'd look over some film and we'd go back out to practice and we'd work to get better. And we could celebrate and we could, you know, slap high fives and enjoy each other and laugh about stuff when we got to the banquet at the end of the year. And that's a pretty stark and, and disturbing and really not very fun situation that my players were in because I was so busy driving for development and improvement that I didn't allow them 
to celebrate success and to feel seen for their efforts along the way. So that mm-hmm. fifth part of the recipe that I think leaders absolutely need to focus on if they want to maintain high morale and let people feel appreciated is to be intentional about thanking them, you know, to make sure that they are toasting and, and, and celebrating the efforts and the progress of their people along the way. That's huge. That, that is really huge. I completely agree with you. It, it needs to be, this is why I hate um, annual reviews. <laughs> right. Right. Which are, which are just doomed to fail because, and, and I, you, you're in the same boat I am, I think, in terms of, you know, when you're counseling leaders or coaching leaders or talking with teams, you know, that annual review is one of the least effective ways to give any type of feedback or hold anyone accountable. Because if I had waited until the banquet to tell somebody something about what they needed to do in our third game of the season, we're going to lose a whole lot of games if I'm waiting to that annual review. You know, I think that feedback is something that needs to be as immediate and specific and supportive as possible. I completely agree with you. So, which leads me to another question, which is, how, how do we get the, you know, the people who we're giving the feedback to, to not be annoyed by the feedback? Well, you're asking a question that is, you're teeing me up perfectly here, Diane. It's almost like we scripted this stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and, and let me do just a little bit of sales job. I know your, your, your you know, very successful book is, you know, you know, success without selling. I'm going to do a little bit of selling and hopefully help your people have some more success. But uh, the, the, the recipe that I just shared with your audience and listeners is all about building a culture uh, that is going to be more positive and more profitable. And that kind of great acronym is something that I share in more detail in a parable of a book called Rapid Teamwork. And so that was the very first book that I published when I started working with teams and leaders. And out of that came an understanding that, hey, it's not just about leadership, but what does it mean to be a great teammate? What are those traits that make people want to work with other people who they depend on and care about? And and I realize it's not just in basketball, but it's in business as well, that there are certain people that even if I were to ask you the question, who's the best teammate you ever had, there's going to immediately be somebody or a few somebodies that pop into your mind as being really great with those interpersonal skills and that sense of dependability and trust that we all benefit from and thrive because of. And so that was my second book, which is the 10 commandments of winning teammates. And I only mentioned those because the most recent book that I just published was determined specifically because of the question you just asked. How do we keep people from being annoyed when we try and help them to improve? And you can imagine as a basketball coach dealing with, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old guys, there were a few occasions where I got frustrated as a coach because I would give instruction about how they could technically be better with a shot or with whatever we're doing on the basketball court. And this is going to surprise you, Diane. There were actually teenage guys that didn't always listen and appreciate what I said. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Could you imagine? I there can't. were uncoachable kids. <laughs> and, and the people that are listening, of course, are, are nodding their heads because uncoachable yeah. kids become unmanageable adults. Those that aren't listening, those that do get annoyed when you have a feedback conversation, when you give advice, where you try and provide them the tools or understanding or, or you know, kind of input that's going to give them uh, a chance to be more productive. 
not everybody appreciates that. And so, you know, I think that absolutely feedback needs to be seen as a gift and we need to seek feedback as leaders from our people and we need to give them a chance to give and receive feedback because that's how we grow, not just as athletes, but as salespeople and as teammates, regardless of industry. But the most recent book is actually titled Staying Coachable. And the entire parable, that entire story is all about how do you help somebody go from being annoyed with advice to being appreciative of and applying that advice? And I think that there's a, a, a process there that I discovered much longer into my coaching career than I'd like to admit, because again, I was that command and control guy. And I think there are a whole lot of leaders in a whole lot of industries who are very comfortable saying, well, I'm the boss, you're going to do this and you need to do so and so and you should such and such. And when they get a little bit of pushback and when they get a little resistance, uh, they get frustrated too. And I was in that exact same boat. Well, yeah. I'll tell you the other thing that I notice is that they will say, you know, they'll flip it and that they will also say, I don't want to micromanage. And I say to them, okay, then don't because <laughs> right. that's part of the reason you're getting what you're getting, but that's a hard thing for them to let go of because a lot of leaders and a lot of small business owners feel like they have to be in control of everything in their business in order to make sure that everything happens. That, that is so very true. And, and I can, again, when I'll talk to groups or, or organizations and, and specifically focus upon, you know, what does it mean to stay coachable? Well, I think there's two things. The first is you want to be better. And when you talk to an audience, you know, raise your hand if you want to be better. Every hand goes up. Yeah. But then when you ask them the second part of that equation, Staying coachable is about wanting to be better, but it's also about being willing to change. Now, when you ask the audience, raise your hand if you're really excited and willing to change, <laughs> you see fewer <laughs> hands go up. And yeah. I think that that's true of all of us, you and me included, is yeah. your change is something that we kind of bristle at and we raise an eyebrow at and we're not really comfortable with because we don't know what that might mean. And so the process of staying coachable is because we all really do want to be better Every player, every coach wanted to be better. Every person in your organization wants to be better. The issue is not everybody is willing to change. They just want to be better the way that they know. And that obviously creates a ceiling that they can't get beyond because they only know so much. And until we actually reach out to mentors or to other resources that'll help us to do something differently, then we're not going to be a whole lot better. And so the idea of staying coachable really comes down to how do you help people become more willing to change? And I think it involves an unbelievably simple shift that was ridiculously difficult for me. And that is shifting from commanding and controlling to connecting and being curious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. I, I, um, I think it's a, it's a very vulnerable place for teammates to be to acknowledge that there is something they could change because, you know, that's sort of scary. So they oh, yeah. need to feel like they're in a safe environment. Well, and, and us as leaders too, we want to believe that we are good and capable and smart. And so we want to believe that we are good enough in our role and that we are capable and that we are, you know, 
able to handle those things that we're doing well enough. And, yeah. and sometimes we, we convince ourselves out of complacency or comfort that we are good enough and, and good enough seldom is when we have a chance to be better. And, and that sense of better is something that I think that you discover when you ask yourself first and then your team members individually second, a set of four different questions. And that's really what the book Staying Coachable is about is how do you introduce change into an organization and make it successful? How do you introduce change into your own life individually, into the individual members of your team through a sequence of questions that opens the doors and keeps them from actually being that annoyed, resistant uh, teammate that a lot of times we've encountered. Yeah, right, right, right. And you have to be, so the leader has to be open to feedback as well, probably yeah. initially. And, yeah. And I think, again, the, the, the most valuable tool you have to change the culture on your team is your own example. So if I want my people to be coachable, if I want them to be willing to change and to digest and really sit with and be through and answering these questions, uh, that's going to open the door to change behaviors, then I need to be willing to model that and to be first through the door. Right, 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 right. This is so great. And I don't want to give away what's in the book. So first, I want to thank you for sharing this information. I'm totally with you on this. And I'm, you know, th th this is really valuable information. And so I want you, if you would, to tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can get the book, all that stuff. Please. Absolutely. Well, I am, again, I, I so appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and, and share a little bit with the audience for, for them. You know, my, my passion, again, my background being a teacher and a coach, I spent you know, over two decades giving away as much information and encouragement and equipping people as much as I can. And so now as a speaker and author and coach, I really find myself doing the same thing. So if you're a leader, you can find me at greatresultsteambuilding.com. Uh, I'm online at seanglaze.net. You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean Glaze, S-E-A-N-G-L-A-Z-E. -E. Uh, my books are all available via Amazon. But if you have a question, I'm sure the same thing that you would tell them uh, if they were interested in looking to you for some type of advice or insight or issue, you know, feel free to just shoot me an email. Um, I, I am more than happy to share as long as it's a, uh, a, a pretty simple new correspondence as much as I can to try and help leaders to be more successful because ultimately there have people been people who poured into me and my job is to always continue to pay that forward. Excellent. Well, thank you. Yes. I, and I will make sure all that information is in the show notes as well. So people can get to it. So Sean, really, thank you. I appreciate you. This is um, really valuable information. If for no other reason than um, it, it's, how do I want to say this? I think you sharing your experience is valuable um, and really giving specific, this is what works. This is, uh, you know, th this is, people are going to have to let go of some, I mean, some leaders are going to have to let go of some, their hold on some of the reins in order to be able to get where it is they want to go. And th this is really some great information that, that isn't scary or difficult. Well, and I think that that's the first part of every leader's journey is recognizing that if I want my team to change, that starts with looking in the mirror, yeah. that kind of difficult, sometimes uncomfortable conversation with yourself about, you know what, 
I want us to be better, so I'm going to start by making me better. And that means that, you know, we need to change to improve and grow and make progress. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, gosh, thank you so much for being here today. Truly my pleasure. I really enjoyed talking with you, Diane. Wishing you and your audience all the best. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.